what is up everyone it's back to the story with your hosts cameron and chris did you say back to the story but today we'll be going by our D names just mm. kidding we don't what I... wait hold on i don't even what player wait what, what is one of your player names give me give me one chris i don't know if i i never played with you in a campaign so probably the my favorite character that i've done granted this was like a couple years ago now was uh i did mandos which is named after the elven god of death from Tolkien's like expanded with the with his gods. That's, and that's fresh. I like that. I like that. That's pretty cool. Like, because a lot of people wouldn't know that, but people that do know that, they're like, oh shit, it's Mandos. Yeah. Um, and that was a Oath of Vengeance paladin that I had like riding around on a horse. And he had a ton, like he had a plus three shield a cloak of magic resistance and then i would cast um protection from good and evil and we were fighting a lot of demons and i was just a one-man wrecking ball you it were was awesome. yeah it was, it was pretty awesome i think that i can rem- okay i was i was thamel first thamel was definitely my first one i was i was xerxes second right i thought xerxes was first no xerxes was my shadar kai yeah elf, right yeah but that was second okay because the first campaign i was thamel i was the paladin oh the third- that's right the big campaign, I don't remember the, any of the smaller campaigns what my name was, but I know the, the the really big campaign, my name was, oh, what was it? I have them all written down somewhere oh, I know when I was doing the comic. Oh, it was Kimberly. It was Kimberly. Yes, yes. Kimberly, named after the Elf Road. Little Alchemist character for all you weebs out there. But <laughs> on the note of nerds and weebs and losers, we are going to be reviewing Vox Machina today, or talking about Vox Machina. We don't really do reviews here. We kind of just shoot the shit for a little bit. Analysts, but, analysis. But yeah, uh, like, yeah, we're we're analyzing. That's what we tell people. Yeah, we're professional analysts. Legend of Vox Machina, based off of the you know absolutely nuts in terms of success show Critical Role, where they do the live action or not live action, the let's play, I guess of D&D. It's been going on for quite a long time now. Great following. I would not hesitate to call it to say it's like had a huge impact on how big D&D is now, just like from, oh. from their influence. I mean, over the past, I mean, I, I think this, it was a little old. It was probably like 2019, 2020, but that two year stretch, the highest grossing Twitch channel was Critical Role. So, I mean, Twitch is a huge platform itself. And to know that a Dungeons and Dragons campaign was the biggest bringer of uh revenue that's insane and with four hour long episodes too right (laughs) yeah it's not something that you can just hop on like you know you sub to you hop on as they're streaming something you go about your day like that's it's a committed thing which i think maybe that's that's why maybe like because it's so concentrated because well like you're saying that that's a long time but it's four hours where like it's a continuous story, whereas other people you can kind of hop into their streams for an hour and then get out of there. But four hours of time, like you're there for it. So that could be a big part of why. Yeah. And I feel like it definitely has the same level of like dedication and theory crafting and all that kind of stuff that any good TV show gets. But even more so with the case of like it's done live and and like the sense of there's no, it's not like scripted, like there's no real control over it. It just kind of goes how it'll go. So all the theory crafting, you're kind of having to do it based off what you know about the players and the characters, which I think makes it a lot of fun. Uh, I think that's part of why the engagement is so big because there's such a strong community around it. And no, for sure. The real people interact with that community in, in their own way. 
uh, especially when they used to do the Talks Machina show where they talked about how the different things were going in the campaign and their thoughts about it. They don't do that anymore. Um, I think they might start doing it again. Wow, they got too big time, bro. I think they don't this, care about the little people. I think the show took up a lot of their like capacity, work capacity. I, w- I would imagine. But yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely the thing that has most inserted D&D into pop culture. And then, I mean, you even look now, I mean, they have a, we now have a major TV show on Amazon Prime. That's a huge deal. And it was a huge success. That's why we're talking about it to you guys today. Yeah. So I have watched the second campaign and I'm keeping up with the, the third campaign, but I have not watched much of the first campaign, which is what the show is based off of. And then Cameron, you haven't really watched any of it, right? Or just bits I've only pieces. listened to episodes here and there when I was with friends. So, but this, I mean, spoiler alert, if we're talking about our thoughts on it, I, um, I'm already planning on listening to the first campaign now because I liked the show so much. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was pretty great. And like, I knew a lot of the stuff around that, that kind of happened and in going into the show. So through osmosis and like just kind of being around in that community, but even still, I, I had such a great time and there was a lot of things that just worked so well that I didn't even see, not as I didn't see coming, but I didn't know about. Um, so that was, that was great. Uh, I think the best thing we can start off with is like talking about, well, one, that this is just such like, it's, this is one of those stories that you're like, makes you believe that like anybody can show up and do this kind of stuff. Cause like, yes, all of them were successful voice actors and like they had that skill, but this started out just as a random YouTube show. And then, you know, grew and grew and grew until what they are now. And it, you, they, you see like their love of what they do and of like, of these, this story and this character in the show, like it really, oh, they get so, yeah, they get so invested in it. And for them to, yeah, like you said, you know, come back and basically redo the whole thing just for this TV show and all i mean just like what a cool concept with a bunch of like voice actors who just enjoy the game and wanted to come together and do something because i mean it wasn't supposed to be anything huge like it was supposed to just be kind of a fun group right yeah i mean uh felicia day uh basically came to them and was like hey you guys are really great with your voice acting would you want to do it on a show and they agreed to it and then they had like this condition of like if they ever felt like it was too much pressure or that kind of thing and then they would stop um and that was kind of their idea going into it and then it they just blew up i mean the end of season one they were already pretty big but then going into the second campaign the second campaign is when they i would say they got huge the second campaign got a, a ton of following and yeah they've just kind of grown and grown from there i don't know what the numbers look like here for the third campaign but i would assume they're still really big especially now that um things are starting to really ramp up oh yeah for sure but yeah let's let's jump in and talk about it i mean one of the first things i want to point out is i mean after the first three episodes i texted you and my exact text was it feels perfectly dnd and i think that held true to the whole show and i think that's what got me really excited is that it felt like such a great introduction to people who had never really played dnd or just like heard about dnd to see this because it was as intense and as absurd and as like comedic as I would imagine any D&D campaign is. Absolutely. I think they, and I think they chose this campaign perfectly too, because this party is like the quintessential D&D party, right? Like 
Percy is a little bit of an outlier. Like he's not someone who you would expect. Well, what is Percy's class? That's a great question. I don't, I don't actually know. So he's a homebrew class that Matt, cause they originally were playing Pathfinder. And then when they were going to do the show, they decided to instead switch over to fifth edition D and D. And so they Matt adapted this, like, I don't know exactly what it's called, but like gunslinger basically class That's what, yeah, but yeah. over to fifth edition, um, which again, just shows like Matt's, chops because like he is an incredible dm um you know kind of the definitely the the high watermark in terms of skill when it comes to to D. like his knowledge of the game and then his ability to craft rules is really impressive uh, and but the, but otherwise i mean you have the big barbarian you have the cleric you have the bard the so ranger they, elf yeah and they all play into the stereotypes a little bit right like the big dumb brute who's got the kind heart a great barbarian trope you know the cleric who's a little unsure of what they believe in is great great is, you know, is struggling with their religion yeah the horny bard that's the, the stereotype bard. the <laughs> uh keyleth is a little bit of an outlier with like the druid who doesn't super like feel confident but I, I really like that character arc. But then like Vax and Vex, you know, the um the, the rogue, and, rogue and the and the ranger sister, and they both like kind of fit their role really, really well. It's kind of the quintessential party, and I think that's part of why it works so well for the show, too. No, oh, I think you're hundred percent right about it. And it gives it gives you so many personalities. And I think something that works super well with the show is that their personalities met, like it really feels like some ragtag group of friends that you would find in the real world. These group of people that are kind of, you know, misfits that don't fit in super other places, but they come together so well because they are just like all kind of like they're, they're freaks in their own regard. And I think that's, so I, that exact thing is what makes the regular Critical Role show work so well. Cause that's kind of who they are. It just comes through perfectly because that's what you want out of D and D usually. Right. And then, so it just makes for a perfect show. Yeah. Oh man. I I'm looking at the cast list and I forgot that David Tennant is in here, which I, love yeah, so which much. is so great. Uh, speaking of, I guess if we want to start with like, cause the, the show is basically it's two episodes and then 10 episodes, you know, there's this short, oh, yeah. like two episode introductory arc, which is like, it's very much a prologue of without, no, it, it, wait, it's three uh oh is the third one yes no no you're right no no it's it's two it's two it's two the third starts the starts when the briar would show up yeah so no you're right it's def it's it's kind of the typical dnd of you know uh intro session and then the campaign really begins yeah because i mean they have the the investigation in amon which is kind of the the main civilizational setting um, and i don't know about you but in all our intros we usually kill a dragon right <laughs> uh yeah absolutely um i, f- I forget w- about what level they're at in this i think they're level 10 i think that um one of uh sophie's co-workers uh li- has listened to all of critical role and she said they were level 10 or maybe they're level 7 see now i'm questioning it because i'm trying yeah, to I'm gonna... judge based on like their abilities right because like at this point vax has his teleporting daggers um i love dude oh, man let's see Oh, wait, the campaign that became Critical Role began in late 2012. While the players, the beginning campaign, they began streaming on March 12 when the characters are at reached level nine, levels in the show, level seven. They're level okay. seven. Because, yeah, I don't know what level Bigby's hand is. And then, of course, I think they changed it to Scanlan's hand just for recognition of the character. Um, 
That's crazy. Scanlan, what a fan. Yeah, we have so much. I mean, the characters, there's so much to talk about. And just like each of their arcs. Who is, yeah. okay, we'll just, we're just going to hit it. Who is your favorite? Oof. Favorite and least favorite. Go oof, right now. oof, oof. Well, I feel like in terms of what they did with the show, Percy, obviously, because he got his arc. Like this first season well, was his arc. Well, yeah, but I'm talking about like, let's, let's, let's strip away kind of the show. Let's just like break down the, like who the character is. Um, because obviously like next season, I think we're going to get a lot more Keyleth. Yeah. But then again, you know, some characters are hard to, are harder to like because you only got so little. Like, I feel like Vex did not get a whole lot. She didn't really have any of her super character moments, whereas everyone else, I felt they kind of dug into a little bit more. You know, Pike had her whole journey. Percy obviously had a bunch. Vax had everything with Keyleth. And then Scan, I mean, Scanlan, how can you not like Scanlan? Yeah. I feel like Grog is kind of like he has a really cool arc. Like, I know what his, his deal is. But I feel like in general, besides that, he is going to be kind of the like comedic. Go- yeah, the, yeah, the goofy comedic relief with kind of with Scanlan. Um, and or, prob- okay, here, what which character would you play? That like which character is most like some ooh, ooh, that is a good question. I you feel already like, know my answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, ooh, I probably between maybe Keyleth or Pike because I really like clerics and I like druids a lot, but also just the, I like their arcs. I think it's fun. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I definitely see the resonation with that. But yeah, for for me, it's just easily Vax. I mean, Vax is you know rogue through and through that is just my my archetype that's yeah. my character so and i thought i think he's just like the perfect representation of that yes he's great because he's like he managed to be like the rogue without being too edgy well yet yeah, there's some stuff that happened eventually that gets edgy but in like a, a fun way um in a, in a meaningful way in a way uh but yeah i mean he still has like that good like robin hood kind of vibe he's been, yeah He's he's the bad boy that has you know a heart a, like a good heart under him all and him and Keyleth oh bro I just like it's cute I'm ready for it it's cute and also the guy who plays Fax uh, Liam O'Brien is great like I love his character in the second campaign I love his character in the third campaign in general I feel like in my opinion he does the best character work of the group and that might be like a hot take because I know everybody likes different members of the cast for different reasons. But I really like what he does character-wise because in the show, in the regular show, he will always have these moments where people will be talking about what they're like, oh, I'm saying this, I'm doing this. And then even if he's not involved in the background, he still provides like some background color of what his character is doing that shows that character's like emotion during the okay. situation. So is this the only campaign that has these characters? Because I thought Grog showed up more than this. No, they're only, I mean, each campaign, they have a different set of characters. So Okay, like, interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, so Grog is just, like, Grog is just campaign. All of these guys are just campaign one. Uh, they right. don't show up at all in campaign two. All um, right. Some Honestly, of them might so, show up in campaign three, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll have to see. Um, so first two episodes, thoughts, because they're kind of, they kind of play together. Um, I think we both agreed that, we were kind of talking about it, that the first episode is definitely the weakest, but, like, intros are just hard right um i really liked scanlon's song introductory song i thought that was fun um and then but the they're kind of like uh we're jerks but then when they see the the little village get blown up by the dragon and they're like ah maybe we'll be jerks but for a good cause i was like 
I don't know. I guess because I already know them and the show and everything, I, I knew it was coming. But uh, I thought that was like a little cliched. Yeah, I think that, yeah, they, they kind of played up a little bit how much they were like, I guess the misfits is the term again, but kind of these bums that were just doing what they wanted and they were like, oh no, we need work. And that's the only reason we're doing this is for coin. And then of course they kind of failed the mission and then they're kind of just like, oh, well, screw this. I don't care about the dragon, we're leaving. We'll just go somewhere else. And then of course they have to, they have to do the deed once they realize what has happened to the village. And I, so, I mean, yeah, you're, you're not wrong. It's a super trope, but if it gets to, if it gets to going, I don't really mind. Well, and it was done well. Like it, it was tropey, but it was done well. Like I will definitely give him that. Yeah, he comes back and the coin is, he's just, yeah. The coin I think was that great. came together well. And my favorite, my favorite part too is like Scanlan tuning the guitar and it has that like discordant sound when they're standing in the hut and they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, you know, trying to come up with something that rhymes with dead dragon. I, I thought, yeah. just thought that was great. That was fantastic. I, yeah. Scanlan just adds a lot to the show. I think that Scanlan is, the most he he gives the most to the group i feel like he adds the most yeah sam and sam regal is just a treasure a national treasure he's such a goofball but the story behind scanlan too is really funny because he's like uh because their first game was uh like liam o'brien used to play a lot the guy who plays vax used to play a lot and then um he and sam used to do this podcast where they would just get together once a week to go do maybe it was once a month. I don't know, just to go do something because they'd been friends for years and just like try something new to do a like different thing. And they had somehow known Matt, I think, because Liam was a voiceover director and Sam, I don't know, Sam also did voice acting, but I, I think he did, was in the more like directorial side as well, but they knew Matt and Matt was running a home game, I think. And they were like, oh, can you run a home game here? Can you run a game here for Liam for his birthday? And they were coming up with characters and Sam was going, well, what's the weakest character you could be in D&D? And uh, Liam was like, well, maybe a bard. And he's like, cool, what's the weakest like race? And he's like, well, maybe no. no. <laughs> and so that's where Scanlet came from. Oh, I love that. That's great. Let's see. We have Grog is a Goliath. Yeah. Pike is a dwarf. Nope. Pike and Scanlet are both gnomes, I think. They're both gnomes. Okay. So we don't have a dwarf in the group. That's that's uncliche. Yeah. And then Vax and Vex are half elves, correct? Yes. And then Keyleth I th- is a full elf, full elf, blah blah blah. I and think. Percy's a human. Yeah. Yeah. And then so yeah, just like rolling into the second episode, I thought you know I didn't think I thought the twist was I mean it's like oh it's it's not the guy that seems evil it's the guy that's good it was it was oh man it was our boy himself. David Tennant was the bad guy. I know. I was pretty sad about that because I wanted David Tennant to kind of sort of like be around for longer, but but he was still he did a great job. Um, I just he got to be full Scottish because um, you see him when he's the doctor and he's like he doesn't really get to <laughs> he has to kind of take on a different accent. And, and so I guess oh go ahead. I was gonna say it was great to hear him really dive into that with that character. Yeah, David Tennant has range; he can just do it all. But um, so I guess that intro kind of plays into the end of the season when the like like everything the dragons are coming in and that's kind of what he was talking about of like you're, you haven't even seen our full power yet mm-hmm. well and they set it up right because when they're in the krieg's basement and there's the like there's the the symbol of tiamat on the floor like the the, the chromatic dragon heads it's crazy because i didn't even notice that and you know 
I played an entire character whose whole goal was raising Tiamat. Yep. Um, but yeah, like all the, all the chromatics there on the ground. Um, and then that whole segment, I think happened in game. Um, cause they have a whole deal with all that big group of dragons that shows up at the very end that they're called the chroma conclave. Shoot, just no more, no more. I don't know. I don't know. All right. That's fair. Um, nah, cause I, I, I don't know it yet. Um, <laughs> uh, but I thought, yeah, good intro. I mean, it was, I think like you said, the weakest of the episodes was definitely the first two, but I think you have to establish your characters in some way before you start to really care more, which is when the Briarwoods show up. That's yes. when, you know, we really start diving into our characters. When in the first two episodes, they also get the, oh no, we're strong when we fight alone, but we're, or we're weak when we fight alone, but we're strong when we fight together. Like they got that out of the way real fast, you know? So we, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, now they can work as a party. We're good yeah and something that i I keep i because i haven't listened to the campaign or any of the campaigns and i keep wondering is how accurate this is to what was happening in the campaign because you know in the show you know to jump a little ahead they're fighting the briarwoods for the first time and they're getting their asses kicked and they come back later and obviously beat the briarwoods but i'm like were they actually getting their asses kicked in the campaign did they even fight in the campaign or is this more like for the show like how much of this is straight from the campaign and how much are they kind of materializing so it makes a better tv show um i don't know if you saw that video that i sent you it was a while ago but it's it's kind of the end of episode three like after the briar would show up percy has this whole thing we're like they're the ones who who you know killed my family and there's that confrontation you know the fight out in the castle um where they like leave something and then percy like almost kills the driver uh that did happen in the game I don't think not exactly in the same way, but it, it did basically happen. Same thing. When you Bax. sent me that video, I don't think I saw that. Yeah, I did. It was a long time ago though. Um, and then back, so, same thing with Vax sneaking into their apartment. That also like, that also happened. Oh, okay. So you showed, so um, the one I saw was when they show Percy, which I highly recommend if you liked the show, checking out all the little scenes that like match up with the TV show to the campaign. Um, but when Percy finds out the Briarwoods are there and you see his character, who's the, who's the Ooh, voice actor? Yes. Percy, Sam Regal? Or no, oh, no, that's Talison. Talison, yeah. When he sees it and you see his eyebrows kind of pop up and he's like, his eyes get wide. I loved that. I was like, oh, that's so good. What, just, what was so good about it too is none of them like knew anything about it. The rest of the party didn't know the Briarwoods at all. And it, so Matt, it was kind of like a mention line. And he knew like he was going to bring your- in write yeah. your backstories kids yeah more fun absolutely he knew it was going to be like bringing in the backstory thing and then talison was like wait what we're doing this like they're coming in um and yeah that is a great moment from the campaign yeah. so i guess something to point out here too because you know we get we get more of like you see the king you see how he's kind of being controlled by the briarwoods which i thought the briarwoods were cool characters they're great. But I think that a lot of the other side characters are just super weak. They're so generic. You have, you know, basic king who gets mind controlled, basic generals. You have the basic guards that are like, you can't leave because we think you're evil and stuff. I don't, but I think that Briarwoods are great other characters. And I also wanted to point out, oh, man, what is, what is the shopkeeper's name? Because that is oh, the most yeah. perfect example. That is the most perfect example of a shopkeeper in D&D. Like that is every time you go into any D&D store in a campaign, that's how I feel like those settings go gilmore gilmore's glorious goods like yeah he's a legend he, he, that is a legendary character like he's so beloved by that community the community 
Um, also, Lady Kima and, um, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank on the other one, but the, those two, like, noble women that are there on the council as well, um, they also end up being a big deal, and I think they're just kind of hinted at right now. I think we're going to see a lot more of them later, because I know a lot of people like them, and I don't, I don't know why yet. Um, like, I don't know that specific part of the story yet, but I know a lot of people like them. Well, yeah, I'm, yeah. Just definitely, I wanted some more from the other characters, but I mean, the characters that did matter, I feel like, because you get, like, we really got a lot of everyone's story, and even if it wasn't very overt, that's, and I think that's what's such a good, like, thing about the animation medium, is that you can tell a story in so many ways without having to, like, be so, like, clear-cut with it. It's very in the background sometimes, you get little small things, and you can always put stuff in because it's animated. Yeah, I agree. It definitely gives you a lot more freedom. And that's one and thing really- I loved too. And like, there's so many little gags that they were able to do in this that you could never do in any other medium. Like Matt Mercer voicing a lot of these random NPCs, especially they'd be ones that they like, the rest of the party kind of knocks over or whatever. Like in the third episode, he's the one who like, he voices the NPC, who the guard who is at the weapons check. And then, you know, when they show up to get the weapons, he's like, well, wait, no. And then like knock him out and go and take all the stuff. Just like there's a bunch of little things like that that are great, and then he also voices uh, Silas Briarwood, um, and then you know yeah I saw that we have the the woman who does Azula as Lady. Briarwood. I thought that was so sick. Sophie told me that, and I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, it's literally Azula, and it's so perfect. It's so perfect. Yeah, she's great. Um, what was I gonna point out? Um, yeah, I, I think that I, you know, and I always preach it in a lot of the podcasts, but the animated medium, it gives you so much room to work with. And I think there's so many shows that would do so well as that. And I think that um, Amazon is really digging into that. I think that all like the major uh, producers are seeing that because I mean, Netflix just came out with Arcane, which is a huge hit. And I think they're going to keep up with that. And then Amazon just came out with um, Invincible and this. I think that it's, it's, it's coming. There's going to be more and more of this. I agree. I think... Um... I think we're seeing especially just like stuff that has a lot of time and effort put into it and not just, I think the big thing is none of this stuff was poorly put together, you know, because like we watched Invincible on the trail and then watching this and like Arcane, you know, all three of those shows were extremely well done. So you've seen Arcane? No, not all the way through. I've only seen a couple. couple I I haven't seen it all yet, but I've heard incredible things. Same here. My sister really likes it, but um, with this, I mean, what did you think of the animation style while we're talking about animation? Because I thought it had the perfect mix of like the seriousness and the cartooniness. No, I think I think this is the animation style that I most enjoy because you know you have something like like they're they're always messing with animation and seeing how they're gonna do different things. And you have um like I this is more kind of like the original avatar show, which is like I always have liked this form of animation. Whereas you think about you know the new Dragon Prince show, I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's like more of this 3D animation, which I don't like as much. So I definitely think that they picked the right format to do it. And I think that it shows, it, it, it comes across very well. You know, I hadn't realized that how it's related to like the Avatar style, but now that you say that, I see it and I completely agree. And maybe that's like, oh, I grew up with that style. So I really liked it from that. But I also just think it fits perfectly with the fantasy idea where you have the characters themselves looked very grounded and you know, you don't get a lot of over-exaggeration with their faces or mannerisms that you get in other, like, styles, but the magic and all of that kind of thing is done just so beautifully as well. Um, 
in this kind of style. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that I've been pushing for this for a long time and I think they're just all realizing it now that they've been wasting their money on live action TV shows that don't do as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I think that, that, I think that, you know, this middling part with the Briarwoods and their introduction is it's very tropey, but I think that it's a great introduction to who Percy is. And then also it plays into Pike's backstory a lot because she like the Briarwoods kind of overcoming Pike is the reason she has to go on her little adventure. And then obviously you're completely introduced to what's going on with Percy. Well, you know the whole deal with, do you know the whole deal with Pike where that came from? Okay, go ahead. Keep explaining. So Ashley Johnson, the person who plays Pike was a actor in the, uh, it, it was like some like drama show but they did all the filming in New York. So she would have to leave for these like long stretches of time. And this also happened a little bit in campaign too. And so they would just have her like disappear. Like she would go off and do her own thing. So they mirrored rather than like writing Pike in to part of the story that she isn't there for, they had her go off and have her own little arc, which I actually thought was great. That's I really liked brilliant. It. I love that. Yes, I, that's I, what I, I I did that with James in my last campaign because I was gone, but I technically was staying at the school, like the wizarding school that we had stopped by. But it definitely wasn't to this extent. I really like that, and that oh, that's good. Yeah, I, I think they did a great job with that. Um, and the same thing, like when she shows up in episode what eight nine, that is like that's what happens in the in the in the actual campaign like they're they're there by the sun tree i think and she shows up in this like ethereal form um oh i like that that's awesome in a in a very similar so, yeah situation. they like bring her in when it's like really important and but she has like when she has to be away i like that i think that comes together well yeah because she she likes zoom facetimed in for that yeah. yeah so you get more of her character and obviously percy is completely introduced but you have like the big trope of, you know, the bad guys that are manipulating the other local politicians. Um, but I mean, Percy's backstory is brutal. Like that's another thing that, that sometimes isn't shown in animation, but they're not afraid. They're not pulling any punches with it where- Not at all. Show his family just basically be slaughtered by these people. And you kind of understand it's, his, his anger is a lot more palpable. But I, I kind of wonder how much of Percy's story is finished are we going to get more backstory? Like, is the demon going to come back? I mean, I don't know, but that's the one thing about these campaigns is sometimes one person's story is tied up and you're kind of just like, well, now I guess I'm here for the main story, but there's no, there's nothing more from me. Uh, I know he still has some things, but I don't know how much of it is like super backstory, backstory heavy, but uh, also kind of what you're talking about though, with how brutal they are. That's one thing, like talk about animation style. Some of the brutality, I was like, oh, like it was pretty nuts. Like they did, like you're saying, they did not pull punches with any of that. Yeah, it was it was just like an invincible where you were yes. like watching these people get the shit beat out of them and you couldn't believe that they allowed it to keep happening. Like, because in TV shows, you know, you can only show so much where it's too grotesque, but this was just, you can really see the pain inflicted on people and they don't have to stop it because you can animate it in a way that it doesn't, it's not so disgusting to look at. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it was, there were some, definitely some moments where I was like, oof, that's, uh, that, that's pretty nuts. Like, that's pretty brutal. But then another thing with the animation style, I really, really loved how they just dived into the gothic vibe 
when we are dealing with the with the Briarwoods and like when you go to Whitestone, like just how everything looked had a very gothic vibe when they get there. And it's very that's like thematically one of those things like you know you're dealing with vampires, you know. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, and I like how even uh, I think a big thing is that we didn't just they're not just some bad guys. You get a whole explanation as to why they kind of started their quest and why well, like, and we don't fully know what's going on because obviously there's more evil going on. There's still a orb down there, but the reason they took over Whitestone was because she was trying to keep her husband or trying to get her husband more alive. They weren't just some bad guys they had a reason they were doing the things they were doing and obviously they were more cruel than they ever needed to be and they were doing evil things but there was a justification so they were not just aimless yeah so i really really liked that um so i like how even with i think i think with all the characters that are getting decent screen time we're understanding them better which i really like and i'm excited for the next season for that because i feel like we're going to hear a lot more about you know keyleth Vax and Vax, because Vax and Vax got a little bit too. Same thing with, we don't know anything about Scanlon's background. Um, yeah, if I remember correctly, it's less that he, he doesn't have as much of a backstory as much as he has a story that is written within the show, the That's show fair. as it goes on. But there well, is Scanlon like one major thing by himself, that does happen. As opposed to everyone else. Yeah, there is one major thing that happens to him. Um, I don't know how much, I, I won't say anything because I don't want you to spoil the campaign if you watch more of it, but or they're, they'll definitely do it with the show if it goes long enough but there's some major stuff that happens with him but also the scanbo episode the episode seven that like actually happened like he went off on his own to do that distraction and he rolled just incredibly well there's like a montage i love that where he's just rolling incredibly well uh he when he does the polymorph into the triceratops he like doesn't just tear through that building like he does this like crazy rampage kind of through the town as a triceratops um, that's great yeah he, he that that whole segment in the actual campaign is pretty awesome yeah i was wondering about that because i mean in most campaigns the only person you really get going off by themselves a lot is a rogue but i was I, and i was like interested to i that's another question i had of if that was really part of the campaign because it seemed odd that the the dwarf or not the dwarf um the bard would go off by themselves but it being scanlan and who his character is it made a lot of sense yeah and it was just so good it was so well done i loved how he was just kind of singing to himself as he was going through and so now we really start getting into like what percy is dealing with because we know obviously that the Briarwoods killed his family but then you start getting the more evil side of percy what did percy the what uh what do you mean oh the Dorolo, like his last no, name doesn't doesn't percy have some nickname oh no mercy percy no mercy percy oh my gosh that's so brutal but yeah you you see him also brutalizing people and ha having no regard there's no like oh he is the judge jury and executioner in these moments and he's slaughtering these people i mean he has um, his list on his gun and it's like that that whole like who did it first it. him or aria that's the real question. yeah <laughs> um but yeah him like and the, them how they're etched into the gun and how that like disappears after he kills them it's like oof i was real good um and how like the smoke and kind of the demonic pact how it's, it's hinted at the whole time or like kind of shown i wouldn't say hinted at because it's pretty overt but um how that's how that's led up and you like the whole time it's like you know something's going to happen but you don't know what i like Again, this is one of those things where I kind of knew the story, 
from before, but it was cool to see watching it play out and it was cool to see how they were doing it for people who hadn't watched the campaign. Like, what did you think during all of that? Oh, I thought, I, I thought again, I mean, I, just like everything, I thought they put it together super well. And I thought that they, the story came together very, um, or I don't know, like what the, like organically, like you got piece by piece at a time, you got this character and what they did to Percy's family and this character, what they did to Percy's family. And in my opinion, I never got to a point where I was like, oh, they're like, I don't understand why Percy's doing this. I felt the entire time that I was like, if I was Percy, I would kill these people. I would shoot their heads off. I would blow their, like, I would have no issue with this. And it made a lot of sense to me. Even the person when we were down in the basement and they break in and they're, um, they're getting the, the woman out of the prison cell and they're like, no, you can't kill her, Percy. She can help us. I was like, bro, because what, what did she do? She like, she was, she, she wasn't the one that was torturing them. That was the general. No, I think she um, did. I think she was the. Oh, she was the torturer. Yeah. Yeah. So just watching that, I was like, oh yeah, you would be dead. Like, you're not like, I would not allow you to live. And in, in, in a D and D sense, I suppose. And so I totally understood. Um, but I did like, they were trying to kind of hold Percy to some regard of like, dude, like you're going off edge. Like it's different. It's one thing to kill someone. It's another thing to be doing what you're doing. Um, and I, so the one thing I didn't love about in here is his sister, Cassandra, right? Mm-hmm. And you have the moment where you're coming in. And so something I didn't like is that they immediately told us that there was something up with her. Cause like you're coming into the town and you have the Briarwoods and Cassandra talking and they're like, oh, Percy's coming. And I was like, I, I wish they hadn't shown us that. I wish that, cause then you like, rather she just like showed up and you're like, whoa, where did you come from? Well, I wish that it had been like, he doesn't know about her and then they show cassandra like in a room so you don't know that cassandra's working with the briarwoods essentially because mm. the thing is he shows up and then cassandra gets immediately killed quote unquote before keela feels her but you're like oh she's not dead because she's probably she's probably either like faking being killed like right now like this is some illusion because you know she's working with them and then event and then i felt like the payoff of her betraying them and being like oh i was actually on like the briarwood side and then eventually it was like oh no she was actually under mind control i just i didn't think i think out of everything that was the one thing i did not think was handled as well as it could have been that's fair i think that's fair because it's a little complicated they were trying to do a lot with her to as far as setup goes so i can definitely see where you're where you're seeing that because like yeah i mean she had basically three different double crosses one where she gets double crossed and and like you know her throat slit then yeah her double crossing the group and then her like kind of breaking out of the the spell um, and the spell like, and killing um the lady briarwood yeah i guess like throughout that i really loved percy's story and then like even you know his best friend shows up and then eventually his best friend gets chopped in half which i thought was Ooh, I thought that, that was crazy because I was like, brutal. I was like, there's no way this guy, like this guy's gonna survive. And then he literally gets chopped in half by the general dude. Also, that um, was Pippin. That was what? That was Pippin from Lord of the Rings. Really? Yeah, that was the actor who played Pippin. Oh, I did not know that. I love, I love how, dude. That's I. That's a big thing. Um, within just like if you're gonna have an animated show, is that if your voice actors are not good, it, like that's that's. I don't think people realize how much of that matters because obviously when you animate cool things like fights and battles, people like that. But if the dialogue is bad, people will not watch it. Yeah, well, and you can just see like the emotion and the character that the main cast puts in. Like that's part of what makes it so good, even as the show. Because you can like you can like really tell like this is 
them and like they're putting their heart and souls into these characters as they're as they're uh the show goes on yeah but yeah, i thought like i thought percy's story was really well done and his backstory was explained explored very well and you got this like how he kind of got pushed to the point of i, I don't want to say insanity but like the darkness that he got pushed into mm-hmm. um almost i mean i don't know like the first example that came to my head is you know hawkeye and the avengers where you know you find him and he's like slaughtering yakuza like clan bosses and he's like i just like he just went too far and i just feel like that's what you get with percy where he has these, this split personality where because of what he went through he finds himself in such a dark place at times and so i thought they explored that super well and i just thought that cassandra's story was not as good and i'll say it i think i'm thinking about it i think the one thing and this is like i don't know writer analysis type of deal i think the big thing is she didn't have almost any agency over her story Almost every other character we meet has agency over what they do in a lot of ways, but she was either like used by somebody for something or like, uh, yeah, I see exactly what you're saying. She essentially is there to progress her other people's. Yeah. Other people's. Yeah. Yeah. You're completely right about that. That's actually, that's kind of like the deeper point, I guess, that I was missing or that that's what was really bothering me is that, her character just seems like it's there to like progress plot because she didn't she didn't have any agency over what like what she was doing until the very end when she kills delilah yeah exactly um and like even even the the rebel the dwarf rebel leader i'm forgetting his name off the top of my head but you know the guy pippin plays he even he had some agency with like trying to come up with a plan and we even get the little bit of prologue of showing who he is before we actually meet him and he doesn't have a ton of agency right like he doesn't have a ton of screen time but even even still it did feel like he was doing something i know absolutely and then i guess through this you know we get helith is it's kind of more explained how she's like dealing with you know confidence issues and like feeling like she got you know she was removed from her place because she didn't she wasn't able to fill those duties well, no, 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 and it's not how it works. She has to go on a, like, quest to become worthy of being a leader. Oh, uh, so she doesn't think she's worthy. Yeah, she doesn't think she's worthy. She's Thor minus the hammer. Yeah. If I, unless I'm mistaken, I'm pretty sure that's right. Okay. And so she's dealing with that. Like I said, Vex and, Va- and Vax, they don't get a whole lot of backstory, but obviously they kind of, they kind of mingle with their characters. You have, oh, man, I, I always, like, mix us. So you have Vax's relationship with Keyleth, which I thought I thought that was also so awkward where they're like fighting. Yeah. He's like, Oh, I love you. And she's like, What the fuck, bro? <laughs> yeah. That was pretty great. Uh, and that actually happened in the in the campaign. Like they had that same moment where she was like, Not now, like this is a terrible time. Oh, really? Yeah. I, oh, I did not know that. I, I I was sure that was just inserted. No, so these characters also within their backstories have like this moment where I guess them and Matthew or like Matt Mercer were like, oh, like you guys probably like each other after. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, no, they definitely have like character romances in the party. Like that did actually happen. Um, oh, lo- that's fantastic. Yeah, it's really, really great. Uh, and I, I was actually watching a video about this recently. I'm curious what your thoughts on it where so Keyleth when the show was going on a lot of people did not like Keyleth like she was like their least favorite character and Marisha was talking about how 
um, they didn't like her because she wasn't the stereotypical, like super confident hero. Like she was trying to overcome that issue of confidence. And then she was saying a lot of reasons people don't like that is because they don't like that aspect of themselves. Like they don't like that they lack the confidence to, you know, do the heroic things they, they might want to do. Oh, bro. I life. thought she was perfect. I thought like the concept behind that was so good. And also that being said, Kayla carried the party. How many yeah, times has she Kayla has her moments the day? Yeah. I, I like it where, because it, that's the kind of hard thing to do with magic users in a show like this, where you can kind of answer a lot of things with, a nebulous magic when especially when it's a softer system like this um because they're not doing like oh it's this spell from D. you know like you can kind of get an idea of what they're trying to do but for the most part it's it's kind of softer and so i really like when you know uh pike can't do cast the daylight spell when the wraiths are attacking their keep and then uh she's like oh keyleth like you have to be their light and so and she was able to you know ca- go and cast daylight and make them all make the wraiths like killable um, mm, that's interesting yeah i would say that her and pike straight carried the team for the most part yeah they were great when pike drops down in uh at the sun tree fight it was when just, pike it, came down it was an awesome moment from the heavens above <laughs> down from the heavens descended pike lightfoot or trickfoot trickfoot yeah the only thing um, i'm worried about is when you get something like that, a moment like that happening power scaling wise in a show, um, like, you know, she comes down and kills one of those giants in one hit. And, you know, she like cuts it in half as she's coming down. And it was a dope moment, but I'm always worried when people get those great moments. And same thing with Grog killing the dragon and like that last one big chop cutting the dragon's head in half in episode two. Like whenever you have those big moments, it's like, that's kind of expected then from then on from that character like you kind of expect that character to be able to pull out those kind of things and i'm concerned because those those moments are like they're stronger than they are doing normally and they're stronger than you would think for their level if that makes sense it's just it it gets a, a bit embellished at times to make for these epic moments and the epic moments are great i just i don't know i always get concerned with like it's just hard because later on you're like well how come they can't beat this person when they were able to chop this person in half like i yeah. so i i know exactly what you're saying and i feel I, I feel a similar issue and that happens a lot within shows like this where you wonder like oh would this person be able to beat this person and you i guess you always kind of want some semblance of balance like you're saying balance and you want to know what would actually happen and you want to have like some kind of idea you don't want it to be like the rug pulled off from you and somehow this person is able to fight this person you're like well they've never they've ever been able to be this like this level of person so how are they beating a top level fighter or whatever and so i think that they like edge the line of that because they wanted some of these epic moments and also just like that's kind of how dnd is at times like yeah obviously, you know, sometimes like, you get the natural if you're a cleric fighting the undead is you know you're way more powerful so i think that they didn't go too far yet but i definitely can see them wanting to have these moments and pulling that in so we're gonna have to see it's similar issue with like keyleth in the i think the 11th episode or maybe it's the 12th but when she like kind of pulls on the sun tree's power but they also show it as like it hurting her a lot which i thought was interesting um you know what i'm talking about when oh yeah 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 when things are getting real messed up and then she she kind of pulls on the sun tree 
well, having a cost is always important because you don't want to just be like, oh, look, they did this crazy magic thing and that's it. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, and then they have her almost die. It was kind of, I was like concerned. I was like, are they showing her as like being dead or are they showing her as dropping to zero? And it very much seemed like she was a dropping to zero, but like, you know, then she, they like stabilize her kind of deal. Yeah. Um, Cause canonically, Keyleth doesn't die until the key fish incident. Yeah, I was wondering how they were going to handle that because <laughs> I hope I don't know how they're going to do it because it's like the tone like that's a, the the what happens you know she jumps off a cliff and freaking dies like that's very serious but in the show in the campaign so I didn't know if they so end up, I guess this is spoilers for later campaign but like if you haven't seen the fish video you gotta see the fish video. I didn't know if that when that happened, I thought they ended up doing something like getting a death crystal or something and they brought her back, but I'm not sure. No, they do. They do. They bring her back. Oh, okay. But I just thought that was the funniest thing. (laughs) Like this video, if you guys haven't seen it, is just look it up. Look up Dungeons and Dragons Critical Role, We Are Gods, and you will just have yourself a laugh. It is so fantastic. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, Because every member of the party dies at some point over the campaign and i think keyleth is the last one and she dies from the keyleth and the keyfish incident which was just it's just perfect it's so great um um anything else that you want to super touch on i'm like looking through i'm excited for i think the next season is going to be really interesting i think they like cliff cliff uh gave us a little cliffhanger kind of well i'm kind of i was sad it ended 12 episodes i wanted more i really yeah and that's a great sign right so, I mean, what did you think? We kind of been going through it, but like there at the end where everything kind of starts coming together. Um, I really, I really, really liked the demon interaction with Percy. Um, oh, I just, thought it was so, yeah. The vibe I, I, again, of it was with how like they, dark it was and how controlling over him it was. And especially when they did the like him shooting at everybody else, but he thought it was the, you know, his enemies was so good no i thought i thought the demon was really really interesting i I think that percy obviously got the absolute most love this season and i think that there's no doubt that the best character arc in season was percy kind of overcoming that and seeing what and then obviously scanlan he's like oh give it back scanlan he's like okay nope and then comes up. i loved it um and I think curse items are always really interesting. Obviously, we have Grog, who now has a sword. Who had the, Ooh, the thirsting know, blade is Chris so lo- funny. Chris loves to throw curse items at us in our campaigns. So as soon as I saw that thing, I was like, Grog, don't pick it up. This is not going to go well. So. The thirsting blade is so funny. And like, there's just some little shorts of it that, I, that I've seen. I really, really hope they do. Because uh, it, it's, it's great. But I love that. And then when they, how they're setting things up and then when they get back to Amon and they're like, the king is like, I'm going to step down and we're going to have a council, which is cool because then it's like the council of Tal'Dorei, uh, which is the continent. But then you have, you know, the dragons, the bells start ringing and the dragons attack and that's the end. And I was like, ooh, that's great. Great cliffhanger. Season one. Yeah, I didn't realize it was the end either. I was sad. I looked it up after that and then found out, so yeah so kind of pulling it in what are your what are your general thoughts i think i think 
oral sauce. I think that if you have never experienced D&D, this is absolutely perfect way to introduce yourself to it. I think that if you love D&D, there's no better thing to watch than that. I think this is the, like, you know, if you're into certain things, there's always, you know, if you like chess, Queen's Gambit is a fantastic show for you. If you like D&D, this is the best possible thing for you. You're going to love it. The Queen's Gambit of D&D. The Queen's Gambit, yes, yes. Uh, I definitely agree with that. Because, um, like, there's not a lot of good D&D stuff out there that's not a, like, live show right now. Like, you know, D&D, they tried to make a couple movies back in the day, and they're awful. Um, so there's not a lot of stuff out there that's not, like, actual people playing D&D that's any good and like people talk about stranger things the the it's like literally one scene in stranger things hey as long as it people that got got more interested in D &D because of stranger things so look like i'll always give it that no absolutely i will absolutely give it that it's just like there wasn't it's not like that you saw them i don't know it's not like it was a lot of oh this is like what D D is like this is like uh we got this whole story around it it's like well here's this one scene of them doing this one battle and then we're going to extrapolate that out where they use those kind of same DD themes in the um how they confront the monster from the show which i still thought was good but um something like this was just so perfect you know kind of the queen's gambit of DD. I, I think that's a perfect Dude, just no covid finesse stranger things because they would have had like seven more seasons with these kids and now that the kids are all grown up they're like well the show must end so yeah yeah i thought i'm kind of ready for stranger things to end i really like season one i enjoyed season two i, I feel like they're trying to draw it out a little bit longer than it should the be. first season definitely just hit different it yeah but this first season was fantastic and I'm excited for what's to come. Yeah. I, I kind of have the, I keep saying it all the time, but like just about everything these critical these critical people will touch turns to gold. Um, they just do so much good work. And um, yeah, like you said, I'm really, I'm really excited for it. I don't know. Do we have any news as to when it'll come out? Um, uh, I feel like with animated shows, it's always a little more like they're not sure. So Yeah. But I'm sure that with the, I mean, like, again, show was very well received. So I think that they will do their due diligence and get it out as fast as possible. Nothing like forcing um, all these animators to work even harder than they already do. Well, I know they they got a second season sign-on deal before um, the first season even came out. Here's an article I found from February. Let's see what it says. Uh, oh wow it says we don't know yet but we expect to drop by the end of the year which i don't know about that because we haven't heard anything about yeah we'll see we haven't heard anything about production yet it says the end of this year yeah that's what this article says from no digital spy and i was like i i don't know about that no that's just some rando i agree yeah i agree uh -huh. Any other thoughts on the show? Um, well, I think it's cool that it made you interested in watching the, the actual campaign because I've been trying to get you to watch it forever. <laughs> and now it just took something that was like seeing it, you know, played out. But also I totally understand too that a lot of people have a hard time with it because boy, howdy, four hour episodes 
and uh, one they're out each week. I think there was a thing where it's like there's more Critical Role content out than there is. Um, oh man, what was the comparison? It was another show that was like just incredibly long. I have no clue, but I don't remember. I have to look this up because now I feel dumb. But <laughs> yeah, it, it's just there's an incredibly long amount of total content out that they that they put out and even watching on like 1.25 speed which is what i've kind of started doing it's still yeah like, it's just yeah it's still a lot critical is a lot but you can always hop in the new campaigns boys and girls that's true um did it make you more excited to, or like more interested or exciting to play dnd bro i always want to play dnd that's fair i do too it's been a long time <laughs> it has been too long that's fair Oh, one last thing. I see this in, our, in this article and I'm like, oh, we got to bring this up. Uh, after like, you know, Delilah Briarwood tries to summon Vecna and it kind of happens, but... Oh, so it's Vecna. I didn't even realize that. Yes. The whispered one is uh, Vecna. And because that's who, um, yeah, is a, is a big issue for that, for that season. Well, I'll say, I'll say it right now, right off the bat. No D&D party in the entire universe would have not touched that orb. Well, that's the thing. It's a it's a good thing they didn't because that's an orb of annihilation. And that like you touch it, you're just gone. Like you can't be resurrected. But, but you're just what D what what D D group would not have touched it? That's all I'm saying. No, absolutely. Which is why I think it was funny we got that scene where um there's the random we're, guy who touched we're it. Handling it. Yeah. <laughs> he just like gets ripped out of existence in a really brutal fashion. I was like, oh, okay. But be like that sometimes. It'll be cool to see Vecna and the uh, the book and how all that stuff gets worked in because I don't know a lot of the details of that. All the all I know is that like Vecna is the big bad and Joe. Here, Mangi- sh- no more, no more for the people that don't know. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I am hoping Joe Manganiello's character, like they bring him in to voice his character that he plays in season one at some point probably won't happen until later but is this the character that might happen to do with a certain thing with yes, yes yes because that okay. would be so awesome yeah I, I that has to be part of it because that's such a that is that might that might have been that was probably the biggest moment from critical role for the longest time because i didn't listen to critical role and i knew a lot of people that knew about that moment that also did not watch critical role yeah so, it's just that's such a great i watched moment. that video on youtube so um yeah, I don't know. I think it. I think this is just a good because you know, like we normally talk about what uh, what other medium you would put this show in. It's like, well, this is already the other medium, you know. So I think I think it's cool that it's very much of like go play D anD D, you know, watch the the actual campaign um, yeah. is kind of what it's pointing to. Well, everyone go listen to more D&D, go play D&D, all that stuff. It's and the even best. more importantly, go check out our other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully we'll get the next one here before too long. Uh, we've already, we already spent a, a solid like 15 minutes before this talking about Batman. So, so maybe we'll do Batman next. That, I'd be down. Um, yep. Um, signing off. Do you have anything else right, you want to say? This is after the story. Y'all have a good one. Peace.